Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Rabid Weasel podcast. That's another big number. Uh, my name is Jared. I am your host, super horror movie nerd. I'm here with uh, my brother, Justin. Hello, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well, man. Enjoying the weekend. Happy to be here. Happy we made it to 15 episodes and uh, pretty excited to talk about Nosferatu. Yeah, it kind of went by pretty quickly. I just woke up and I'm like, oh, we have like a decent amount of uh, episodes down here already. Yeah, but, well, uh, when we were reading, uh, watching Nosferatu, it's uh, it's amazing. We start like thinking about like scenes from other movies and there's like mm-hmm. scenes from all kinds of different movies now kind of floating around in my head. Uh, things to going through them like this. So um, it's, it's fun. Yeah, you're slowly becoming initiated, I guess. Pretty soon One you will be. One movie at a time. Then I, too, can be a super nerd. Is it yeah. possible, baby? Do you think? <laughs> Am I going to be at the club after all? Uh, well, it's currently a club of one. And that's Mia. Hello, Mia. How are you doing today? I'm great. <laughs> How are you, Jared? Uh, doing fine, doing fine. As always, it's we're on opposite sides of the world. Uh, I'm in Taiwan. You guys are in Seattle now, right? You're in Seattle. Yeah. Um, outside of Seattle and uh, in Issaquah. Yeah. yeah, in the foggy mountains of Issaquah and Sammamish. Yeah, and we're supposed to get snow um, for only like the third time all winter, uh, yeah, which I'm pretty excited uh, Yeah, about. next weekend. Yeah. So, woohoo, we're excited. Hmm. Yeah, we're completely different. It's actually different days here. It's uh, Sunday afternoon here, Saturday night there. Yep. So yeah, everything's going well over here. The The uh, semester is winding down for all my, my English students, and then I'll have a short break before we do it again. It'll be your first time experiencing the Chinese New Year, so that, could, that, that should be fun. Yeah, yeah, everybody's gearing up for it. I have the there's a little song they teach the kids that I'm not going to sing, but I hear it about a hundred times a day. Um, so that's been stuck in my head. But anyways, what are we doing today? Today we are doing Nosferatu, Nosferatu 1922. This was actually, before we get into it too much, this was Mia's pick. So Mia, why did you pick Nosferatu? I was kind of surprised to see that one. Well... Uh, with all my searches, they all started Google. And I was like, well, what are some like of the best horror movies? And I love Rotten Tomatoes. They do a good job of going through and like reviewing the movie and bringing in all the critics to review the movie. And and so it's got actually, I believe, a, a 97% Rotten Tomatoes score for being a pretty old movie. And it is sits currently on their number seven as one of the greatest horror movies ever. So that was pretty interesting to me. And I've never seen a silent movie. So I was like, why not? Let's check it out. That was actually going to be my next my next question because oh and also uh, I'm I'm still I still use international IMDb a lot it's got a seven point nine, which is a great score, but that's the next thing I was going to ask. Just talking about silent movies, is this the was this you just said this is the first silent movie you ever seen? Correct. What about you, Justin? Had you ever seen a silent movie before? I'd seen a silent movie, but I mean it had been several years since i had watched a silent movie there was a movie that won some awards up in the mid uh like 2010s it was a black and white silent film and um i don't remember the name of it uh maybe the artist or something like that i think it was a silent film but But it was a more modern movie not an old silent movie. i haven't watched an old silent one and um maybe ever yeah Okay. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. What about, I'm tr- I can't remember the first silent film I ever saw. It may have been, it may actually have been this one. I, I did watch it several years ago. Uh, I'd seen it bef- before, obviously, but this isn't a movie I'm very familiar with. <laughs> Maybe my first exposure to it. This has already been brought up before when we were talking about the movie, uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants episode. Did you guys see that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mia showed me the meme. I have not seen that episode. No, I, I, I think Faith. Thank you, Faith. Yeah. <laughs> <With us. laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that a long time ago. That 
was that the hash slinging slasher episode? Anyways, we're not talking about SpongeBob, but uh, <laughs> Nosferatu is one of those things. The image of Nosferatu, everybody's probably seen at some point before, even if they've never seen the movie. It's so striking. Yeah, yeah, he's a very distinctive appearance, which we'll get to a little bit later, but. Yeah, it's a very famous image, and there's some images from the movie that you'll probably also have seen at some point or another, some of the shadow work and things like that. But yeah, I was thinking about silent films, and I can't remember the first one I saw. I know I've seen, this may have been it. I've seen uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, probably in film school, some of the old, like in film history, A Trip to the Moon. That was George Malise, whose name I always say wrong. That's 1902. So that may have been it, but what about going a little more modern? Um, do you remember the first time you saw a black and white movie? I do. I, know, uh, I think I know what my first black and white movie is. And I'm pretty excited. I think I know too. Justin, was it uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Boom, boom, Jared got yeah. it. It's a Wonderful Life. Wow. Well, I, so what, I start remembering anyways. Is the Christmas Carol in black and white? Uh, some versions of Christmas Carol are. I mean, we, we grew up with the Muppet Christmas Carol and it was not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> it was full on in color. Yeah, I think, I think we were, we're as, you know, in elementary school, you were exposed to the early Christmas Carol in black and white, I think. Mm. Okay. I don't know if my sister says no. But, or Christmas Carol, or uh, is the rear window? I would think the rear window originally would have been in black and white, but I'm pretty sure it is. A lot of, yeah, I mean, (laughs) not me. Alfred Hitchcock stuff, Psycho. Yeah, so there's a lot. And it's just interesting to me. The reason I brought it up is because, you know, this is a movie that's, let's go ahead and acknowledge, is not going to be for everybody. You know, a lot of people won't do silent films, and a lot of people won't even do black and white movies which is kind of surprising to me, but I hear that sometimes from people like, oh, if it's in black and white, I won't watch it. But black and white's not too strange for me. I mean, also one of my earlier experiences with it was uh, The Wizard of Oz. Mm. You know, it starts off in black and white and then it transfers into color and it, it's very striking, that transformation. Yeah, so let's get into, well, let me introduce the movie a little bit first. So it was released in 1922. Uh, this was a German film. So we were watching the, well, I don't know which version you guys watched, but which version did you guys watch? I watched it on uh, Tubi. I don't have my film collection with me here, of course, so I had to stream it. We streamed it from two different versions. One that the date listed on it was 1929, and it's like, and it was like a, a weaker quality. And then we watched a one that was remastered in like real painstaking detail and like kept trying to keep keep the actual original feel and i think it was released in 2012 so those were the two that we two versions of it that we saw so i that's one thing we also need to go ahead and get out of the way is that there's a lot of different movie uh versions of this movie another thing is it was it was a silent because it was a silent film everybody if you listen to it you'll hear music in the background that wasn't part of the original movie there's been a lot of people who win creatives scores for and soundtracks for it but the original movie it was silent <laughs> so yeah your experience of the film is going to depend a lot on which version of it you see i think so but for me today i watched the one that uh was on tubi um so it's a good example of german expressionism which we kind of discussed uh discussed a little bit in the nightmare before christmas episode we talked about german expressionism and its impact on tim burton a lot of use of shadows and warped architecture, that sort of thing. Wasn't uh, in that way too? It was me and I were talking about this. It was mm-hmm. like the scene in the graveyard when they're digging up the bodies and stuff from the Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it some in Frankenstein too, because those old, a lot of your classic universal horror movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, that sort of stuff, were heavily influenced by German Expressionism as well. So good job, Justin. Good observation. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nosferatu. It's an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which everybody could probably figure out. But for this reason, his Bram Stoker's widow actually sued and the film was ordered to be destroyed by a court. Uh, Fortunately, at least one copy of it survived. And that's why we still have the movie. We already talked about there's several different versions out there with different soundtracks. Oh, another thing I wanted to point out was the version I watched, it was credited with 
the characters they use the names of the characters from the book dracula but other versions they may have had their german names so in the versions you watched did they have german names or did they have like nina harker van helsing do you remember ours had the german names so, yeah i think her name was eileen eileen and hunter oh. hunter was the other one right with two t's eileen so. and then the yeah van helsing wasn't uh, wasn't mentioned it went, it went by a different name van helsing was professor sievers professor bueller yeah, Bueller. Yeah, he's the one that shows them the the uh, the Venus flytrap, and he comes in near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's who. When I say Van Helsing, that's who I'm talking about. But yeah, just so we're kind of on the same page here, the main character, the main protagonist, that's Harker. His wife is Nina, and Van Helsing is their professor, and then Renfield is the his boss, the crazy guy who gets locked in the asylum. Yeah. If you can get, if we can get, agree on those, you'll probably still understand. There's, there's not a lot of characters in the movie, right? <laughs> I think we can do it. Yeah, part of that is from watching a really old movie. There's been different restorations. Part of it is from watching, uh, you know, the movie was originally in German. We're watching an English adaptation, so some of the intertitles may be different too. But we'll figure that out as we go. That makes it fun. So first impressions, I guess, Mia, it was your choice. What did you? What did you think about the movie? Were you bored to tears? Was it exciting? I was not bored to tears. It was actually a fun film. I think definitely giving it another watch is a good way to really enjoy it um, because it kind of, it's a little distracting, especially it being like my first silent film. We gave it a second viewing and it was really great. I love, I like paying attention to details for like ours, uh, the lighting change between acts or in, or in the different scenes like between night and day the lighting was like a orange and then at night was like a blue and um and i really enjoyed that i enjoyed some of the the camera views and so i really i enjoyed it as my first silent film it was good yeah so you were actually watching a somewhat colored version yours had Tense is the proper yeah. word for night day. Yeah, mine was just completely black and white. There was there was no color tinting to the film. So yeah, that's interesting. Like we said, different versions. We, we've seen completely different movies. <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, watch the black and white version the first time. The first one didn't have the tinting, but the second uh-huh. did. Yeah. Yeah, that's an that's an entire that's a podcast on its own just talking about different versions and how it's changed over time. But that, that's beyond today's scope. Uh, so what about you, Justin? What did uh, what did you think about the movie watching it? I liked it. It definitely requires you to be sitting down and focusing and not double screening and not moving around because, of course, no one's talking. Um, and if you look away, you uh, you miss all the sensory inputs. So it's a challenge uh, both times to sit through it, even though I really liked it. I, it was fun to watch it, uh, two different versions of it too. I had not done that. Um, and the first one was really grainy and hard to see. And a couple of the faces were real fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And then the second one had like, uh, was, you know, remastered and it was a much more visually appealing. The story's fun. And I like the, one of the things we talked about, all the overacting of the silent films to, to help you know what's going on. And there's so much like huge facial expressions and things that they're trying to exhibit with the way someone moves. That's very different than how I typically uh, experience a film. And one of the things I really liked um, was, you know, the film set in 1838, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And it was made in the 1920s um, and it was just kind of cool to see how people in the 1920s imagine the life of those in the 1830s and then what mm-hmm. all of that looks like from 2021 um there's some serious time gaps there so i i really enjoy i really enjoyed those aspects of it and it was it was a lot of fun yeah the movie this movie is almost 100 years old so that's mm-hmm. crazy but what was it you just mentioned? Oh, there was something you said there that I wanted to jump on. Oh, yes, the overacting. So part of that is probably intentional because, you know, that's that's one of the main inputs. You don't have sound. You don't have 
uh, a lot of things that we would think of now. But also, we noticed that a little bit in Frankenstein, too, when we covered that one. Part of that is just old movies. But I think a lot of it from these very, very old films comes from stage. You know, a lot of these actors, they, they were theater people, and then they moved them on stage. Or they were on stage, and they moved them in front of the camera. So on stage, of course, you act a different way. People are sitting far away and you have to be very a lot of big movements a lot of big big expressions and facial expressions so the audience can see it so then they just put a camera on them and they do what they've always done so i think that partially explains that but uh yeah i i agree with you sometimes it's uh it's, it's very entertaining to see people's to see the acting in this movie yeah i guess with that we can jump right into the um jump into the plot just a reminder that we have different names here. I'll go over it one more time. Harker is the main protagonist. Renfield is his boss, who ends up in the asylum. Let's see here. Nina is his wife. And yeah, if you've got those, you've pretty much got it covered. So the, my version of the film is using the names from the, uh, the book, mostly. They kind of got some of them wrong, but <laughs> we'll get started. So I think um, I had only seen this movie one time before. And I was, I wasn't sure. I couldn't really remember why I thought about it too much. So I wasn't sure what I was going to think. The first 10 minutes of the movie were kind of tough for me when there's not much happening. Once we actually get into the, the horror and you get to, uh, you get to Nosferatu, it's a lot of fun. But at first it was, it was kind of tough. And it starts off with Harker is being sent by his weird boss, Renfield, to Transylvania to meet with Count Dracula or Nosferatu. It, sometimes the credits said one, sometimes it said different, you know, but um, Nosferatu. Orca or something, right? It was, it was Count Orca. It was uh, Orlock. Orlock, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> part of that's coming from a different language, right? But so I'll probably, I'll try and call him Nosferatu, but sometimes I might slip up and call him Dracula. So Count Dracula, Nosferatu, also kind of off topic every time i typed nosferatu i would always put an e in there so it became nosferatu um, <laughs> yeah in the outline that doesn't on it too, and i was trying to pronounce nosferatus, as nosferatus. As multiple of them no <laughs> way throughout the movie <laughs> <laughs> so anyways he gets a message this this follows pretty similar to to the outline of the outline of the novel too which is another one we need to get to the movie but uh harker gets sent by his boss renfield <laughs> who's a weird guy to meet with count dracula who wants to buy a wants to buy a house where they live uh on the way there is that how business worked back then you just you get a letter from someone and you go on a months-long trip to sell a building uh <laughs> on the way there you go by he went he goes by a, a tavern a tavern in the local village he says that he needs to eat quickly because he is late to meet uh, Nosferatu. And everyone's shocked expressions is hilarious. You know, it's like he's just slapped them all. This has become kind of a, a common trope in horror films, I think. I'm not sure if it started here or not, uh, where, you know, you go to the village and the villagers say, don't go there. They're very superstitious and they, they know what's up and you warn them not to. Uh, Let's see here. An American Werewolf in London. That's another one where they go into the, the tavern and they're told everybody freaks out when they find out what they're seeing and what they're doing. There's that moment where like all the music stops and everybody looks at them. Like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. The guy misses his dart. Anyways, that's a great movie too. Oh, so they convince him to stay the night and he finds i wasn't clear on this he has a book about vampires does he find maybe you could tell did he find that book in the room or did he bring it with him for no reason at all yeah my takeaway was that he that he found it um it's not really clear because they're just all of a sudden holding it but his reactions on of the book are so ex so extreme that it makes me think that he found it and it's like an atheist finding a bible in a uh, a Gideon's Bible in an old motel. And they're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I assume. Well, I assume that he had found it there. It doesn't make any sense that he just brought it with him because at that point he doesn't know anything about vampires. But very conveniently to the movie, he finds a book about vampires that tells him everything he needs to know 
<laughs> so he laughs off all of its all of its warnings, of course, but he keeps the book. So the next morning he hires two men with horses and a buggy to take him out to Nosferatu, but they stop short, refusing to go any further. And in my the intertitles in mine, I like to says, "Here begins the land of phantoms." So yeah, nice little touch. And he can. Continues on foot, and then it's there's another end of the title that says the phantoms came to meet him, and he is approached by another horse pulled by uh, another horse and buggy pulled by Nosferatu, who is obviously Nosferatu, but his face is mostly obscured. I guess we're not supposed to know it's Nosferatu, uh, <laughs> and he takes him to the castle and rides off. But then when he goes inside, Nosferatu is inside of the castle too. So that's kind of jarring. But let's talk about um, Nosferatu's appearance. He's a very distinctive, distinctive appearance. Did you guys, when you saw him, did you recognize him? Had you, did you think, oh, I've seen this before? When we saw him, well, like, um, when we saw him in the horse and buggy, I was like, that's him. But then, you know, he's all completely covered up. But he's so striking. I think I've seen him, like, somewhere, like, in a mall or something, a picture of him. He's so striking. I don't have any, yeah, recollect. I mean, I know that some of the scenes are iconic, but I did not have any real recollections of him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he looks kind of like a bald mutated dracula <laughs> i mean i always like a swamp monster kind of thing with missing some teeth and he's <laughs> i've always thought of him as kind of like i mean rats play a big part in this movie there's a lot of rats and i've always thought of him as sort of a human rat you know as he, he's he's got a very large nose nose and he's very teethy he has a very rat-like appearance to me fingers are really like long and exaggerated i think was yes. how you put it yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. kind of like spidery. Crazy manicure going yeah. On, yeah. yeah long fingers he's also very tall and super thin and i think his appearance has his appearance has influenced a lot of things uh phantasm which is another movie we need to get to the tall man uh, in more recent years, Slenderman. Man. I think he's, you know, that's super unnaturally tall, thin look. He also, he also moves in an unhuman way. He's very, like we said, tall and thin, but his body, he doesn't move like a normal human. He's almost like completely stiff, you know, when he walks, just his feet move. So he moves in a creepy way. He, he I think he still looks legitimately creepy. You know, he's you frightening looking. Yeah. He reminds me of Groot. Groot? No, Groot from <laughs> Despicable Me. Oh, yeah. He kind of has that weird, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's, also, he's also a little hunchbacky, isn't he? I don't know if that's a term. But he's a yeah. Hunchback going on. Yeah, but he's super. Anyways, he's, he's great. Very great looking there's actually a movie called shadow of the vampire that came out more recently when i say more recently i think like in the early 2000s that's about the making of this movie operating under the idea that max shrek who played nosferatu was an actual vampire that they hired to make the movie and that's why it looked so good that's a movie worth checking out but yeah he looks great that's the short end of the the story so he invites harker in they have dinner and at this point, he's acting fairly, uh, you know, fairly normal ex until Harker cuts himself at dinner while he's making bread. And then Nosferatu kind of gives himself away, he, like jumps up and screams it, it, in my intertitle. He goes, blood, your precious blood. <laughs> and he, he scares, scares Harker, understandably so. But then for the first time, we see Nosferatu's hypnotism powers. He's like using his fingers and he forces Harker to like sit down and listen to him talk and forces him to talk all night. I don't think I really caught that. I was, I was uh, glad to see it in, in kind of your description here. Cause I, I didn't catch it. That's what was going on that he had, he was like using hypnosis powers, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it more, um, more of the hypnosis stuff later. 
but I, I think I called it just because I know that that's traditionally one of the powers of Dracula or the vampires is hypnosis. So when I saw him, when I saw that scene, I realized that was what was going on. He was like controlling him mentally. So the next morning, let's see here. The next, they stay up and talk all night. And of course, Nosferatu goes to bed before sunrise. He picks up a mirror the next morning, Harker does. And he looks at his throat. And what does he find? Two large bites on his neck. <laughs> a lot of this is... <laughs> huh? In the movie, it says that when he's writing a letter to his um, fiance or his yeah. wife, yeah. Yeah. to Nina, bit by two mosquitoes, and they yeah, really <laughs> I'm sure mosquitoes leave big holes in your neck like that. But yeah, that's kind of funny. And a lot of this is so, you know, that's the problem with watching some of these classic movies, especially one as classic as this is. So much of it has been parodied or overused that it's cliche. So it's hard to appreciate. You know, some of this stuff are like, yes, we know he's getting, he has bite marks in his neck, but yeah, you know, it's not the movie's fault that it's been overdone. <laughs> also, when Nosferatu comes back the next night, he drops a picture of his wife and Nosferatu, another great line. Uh, he picks up the picture of Seasonina and he goes, is this your wife? What a lovely throat. If you ever want to creep someone out, use that line. Yeah. Hey, you have a lovely throat so later he's reading his vampire book uh and he reads that nosferatu drinks blood and that he leaves bite marks on his victims necks so hey you should leave now then we finally get to now we're finally getting to the good stuff i think this is where the movie finally really starts to pick up we see, we start seeing the shadow work here which is what this movie is most famous for i think is the work of the shadows he opens the door to see Nosferatu just standing in the distance. That's really creepy. He's not moving. He's just like standing there frozen. And we also see this is the first time that Nosferatu's head is completely uncovered. And we get a really good look at him. Yeah. Our response to that scene was laughter. Uh, uh, <laughs> he looks so like in the, when he opens the door and Nosferatu is just like. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just going to hide under the covers and you're going to go away. Yeah. 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 He just runs back inside and like hides, right? Then we also see that uh, that famous shot of Nosferatu walking through the, the doorway. And the doorway is designed to like perfectly suit him. The door is also very tall and very narrow and it, it emphasizes his, his shape and his appearance. So yeah, it's missing handles. Yeah, it's <laughs> just slab of wood. <laughs> but that actually i didn't notice that that's actually kind of clever because throughout the movie we see that nosferatu has like like psychic powers he can move things with his mind so hey that actually makes sense but yeah watching nosferatu move is is very very cool then we go back to nina back home harker's wife who is she is having she's like sleepwalking i guess mm-hmm uh, and I had forgotten about this until I watched the movie again. She has like a psychic. Uh, there's a lot of psychic stuff going on in this movie that I completely forgot about was there. She has a psychic connection with Harker. So she has a vision of Nosferatu coming after coming after him. And again, there's more great shadow work here. And she calls out to him, which he somehow actually hears, waking him up and causing Nosferatu to, to run off. So... The next day, Harker finds Nosferatu's casket with Nosferatu inside. And we see him through, like, the casket is kind of torn up and the boards are, are torn up. Did that remind you guys of anything? Was it just me? It reminds me of Jack in The Shining sticking his, his head through the torn up door. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that was intentional. Just kind of peering through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional by Stanley Kubrick. It could have been, but compare those two shots side by side. Jack sticking his th- his head through the splintered door and Nosferatu's face through the splintered casket. I don't know. It's close up. It looks the same. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just something I thought of. Probably because I have The Shining on my mind from last episode. Yeah. But uh, well, Jack Nicholson also looks kind of as insane as Nosferatu at points. <laughs> yeah, he may look more insane than Nosferatu without any makeup. So 
But anyways, back in back inside of his room, he sees uh, Harker sees Nosferatu loading up his casket on horses. And have you guys seen Phantasm? I know I brought it up twice now. Have you seen Phantasm? We have to get to that one um, because I, I see a lot of the influences of the main villain in that movie, the tall man. There's he's very tall at then. That's his name. But he also you see him like carrying caskets around by himself, even though he shouldn't be that strong. So. Maybe this is the influence there. Uh, but anyways, he loads up the caskets on the horses. He gets inside, and there's sort of like a... It's not really stop-motion animation, but it works the same way where the casket lid yeah. puts itself on top of the casket. Yeah, it's a nice little yeah. effect. Yeah. I mean, it's not... What they're really doing is just they're playing the camera, stopping it, playing it again. It's not stop-motion as we really think about it, but it works yep. kind of the same way. And it must have been, I would have to Google it, but a fairly early example of that kind of trick camera work. It's pretty advanced stuff for 1922. And then we have kind of like, <laughs> this part was funny to me. Harker tears up his clothing to make a rope, like an old cartoon, uh, <laughs> and uses it to escape from his, wind from his uh, window in the tower. Yeah, we were like, why is he doing that at first? Yeah. yeah. Well, it hasn't really established how high up he is, you know. Or that so, he couldn't leave his room, even. I didn't realize it was, he couldn't leave. Yeah. Maybe I just missed it. Yeah, I don't know why he was. I think, wasn't there, is there not one part where he tries to go out the door and it's locked? Awesome. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe he was just like, I'm getting the hell out of here right now. There's a window. <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of a funny, funny image to see somebody actually tear up their clothes and make a rope. Uh, I wonder if that works. It, yeah anyways for, well for, um, for him I mean, he yeah because he climbs down and like i guess it's not long enough and at the end he just kind of lets go and falls and yeah. then passes out <laughs> he's taken by some villagers to a house which th there's another small contradiction here one we've established that everybody's terrified of this part this area and they won't go anywhere near it but at the same time there's like a mailman who comes by and there's villagers who just happen to come by and find him hanging out, you know, down there. But the postal off, the guy on the horse that uh, he sends his letter off with has no shoes. It was yeah. just, uh, and it's not completely clear whether he had pants or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he does wear pants. I pick up a lot of shirt. like, <laughs> a lot of like, why is the door not have any doorknobs? Yeah. Or, but that guy's not wearing any shoes. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was the 1830s. He was a mailman, you know. What is it? What is it? Dad always tells us when they were growing up, they didn't have any shoes. They were too poor. Uh, that's that's not true, everybody. And uh, no indoor plumbing. And uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe in the 1830s, it was actually hard to get a pair of shoes. But yeah, so he gets discovered by some villagers who were dumb enough to just hang out by Nosferatu's <laughs> castle. Uh, and meanwhile, Nosferatu's casket is being shipped on a boat. So he has kind of, he's hired a boat to ship his, his casket and he is hiding inside of the casket and he is being shipped. He's on this boat for like a long, long time. Uh, we meet Van Helsing for the first time who goes by a different name in, um, in your version of the movie. He's not as important here as he is in the novel and in the Dracula movie because in the the novel and most of the movies he's the one who actually kills Dracula but here he is just a professor who's showing his students uh, a Venus flytrap and we see it eat a fly and the the symbolism is pretty obvious there I guess you know but um, I don't know if it said this but one thing I wanted to talk about was the intertitles here it says, the plant is the vampire of the vegetable kingdom. Did it say that in your movie? I don't remember that line. Yeah. No, uh, no it, it said carnivorous, right? Yeah, yeah it said carnivorous plants because I saw coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this part makes no sense maybe it's not in uh, you know it's not a reflection on the original movie because the original movie was in german and this is an english subtitle but there's no such thing as the vegetable kingdom um, 
you know, as, as someone who studied biology and has a degree in that sort of field, the vegetable kingdom, that just makes me angry hearing that there's, there's the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, there's no vegetable kingdom. <laughs> so Renfield, who was already kind of crazy at the beginning of the movie, uh, again, Renfield, that is Harker's boss who sent him to Dracula, is now locked into a mental institution and he's eating flies and screaming about blood. Um, which what he's really doing is just like grabbing at the air. <laughs> it's implied that there's real flies there. And in the novel, it gets a lot more in depth and grotesque about that. Like he's catching flies and he's feeding the flies to spiders and he's, then he's going to eat the spiders so he can consume as many living things as possible. It's really weird, but uh, yeah, here he just is crazy. He looks like, uh, who is it? Uh, oh, Count Olaf. Count Olaf. Uh, a series of unfortunate events. Oh, yeah, yeah. Series, series. Um, but while he's in the mental institution, he steals a newspaper and he learns that, yeah, this was kind of uncomfortable to watch given the events of the, the time. The movie starts talking a lot about the plague. Um, yeah. So Nosferatu is spreading the plague and the people don't know why. We know what's really going on. It's actually a vampire, but... They think the, the, the plague is spreading through the various seaports. But uh, the newspaper also says that the plague victims are characterized by bite marks on the neck. So, hey, people, maybe it's something else. But all the crew on the boat get sick and die, uh, except for it comes down to just the captain and his first mate or whatever the proper term is. His the last guy goes down into the boat into the storage and sees Nosferatu rise from the casket. And this is also a great shot because he doesn't sit up. He's completely straight and rigid. And he like, you know, sits, stands up like he's a piece of board that someone's sitting up. It looks great. Very creepy. Um, but this causes the man to completely freak out and leaps to his death off of the boat. So yeah, just jump to your death. Maybe that far and then no more. <laughs> he's like, he nope. off backwards too. He doesn't even bother turning around. He's like so afraid. He just kind of like stumbles off backwards off of it. Yeah. He's like, I'm out. Screw this. I, I have seen enough. Life is over. Um, and then the captain, we find out later, he gets killed uh, off screen. So now at this point, the boat is like a ghost ship and it's controlled only by Nosferatu's powers. And it arrives at the destination where his new home is. What did ours call it? Death ship? Is that what ours called? It had like a pretty cool name in the in between titles. Yeah. Death ship like or yeah like death ship or something like that, that was yeah cool. i just call it a ghost ship you know an abandoned an abandoned ship but um there's another little stop motion shot here where the hatch on the boat it uncovers itself and then opens itself and nosferatu rises out and then at night nosferatu just carries his coffin through the village uh to his new home with no one no one sees me no one sees me just a creepy monster carrying a coffin through town uh <laughs> It's also funny because it's obviously shot during the day. It's supposed to be at night, but, yeah. you know, give them a break. <laughs> it was a pretty comedic scene. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Know, I think. They were going for comedy there, but he'll bring his... Because uh, he's also, cover. like, on a raft or on a boat. Like, he takes <laughs> yeah, arrives, and he's just standing there. And then, and then, oh, yeah, yeah. There's the part where he, like, rides the raft down the river, and he's carrying his casket. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's fun. Uh <laughs> But in the morning, the town discovers the ship with no one on board except for the dead captain who has bite marks. Uh, they read his diaries, and then they panic, thinking that the plague has come, so they all go into quarantine. Hey, uh, everybody starts dying in the town. It gets pretty morbid. There's like that one shot where there's just like a line of caskets being carried down the street. You know, and the guy's going through town with chalk, marking all the houses that are dead. Yeah kind of depressing stuff but nina she reads in the vampire book that the only way to stop a vampire is to keep him out until after the sun rises so this is different from the book they changed that because in the book they go and track dracula down and put a stake through his heart but heart but here you've got to keep him out after sunrise uh renfield who has been in the asylum has managed to escape and he's pursued by a mob of villagers that's an early uh very very early example of the the angry mob of Dillingers that we saw in Frankenstein, 
we've seen in other movies. Frankenstein uh, really did that so well, though. Man, yeah, thinking about the guy bringing his daughter uh, to the town square and then the mob, and it's just some really good scenes from that movie. This mob goes yeah. after Scarecrow, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, yeah, they chase him through the village and they chase him through um, out into town. Meanwhile, Nina is hypnotized by Nosferatu. It's not really clear how much of this is her willing decision and how much is Nosferatu controlling her, but uh, she opens her window, which acts as an invitation to him to come in. Uh, I'm not sure if that's it. I don't think that's explicitly stated, but part of vampire lore, depending on which version you watch, that you have to actually invite the vampire in, so they might trick you into bring, letting you... Um, We're in shadows. <laughs> yeah. Please invite us in. Please invite us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what we do in the shadows. That's a great movie. Everybody go watch that movie. <laughs> what are we in the shadows? <laughs> so <laughs> terrible in movie and show names. It's so frustrating. <laughs> My favorite line from that movie is uh, I think we drink the blood of virgins because it sounds cool <laughs> that's a great movie everybody go see what we do in the shadows it's sure uh, doing pretty well too we, we uh that's kind of like a remake that's really good too it got uh good nods this year so yeah and also movie. in that movie there is a nosferatu character oh my god yes it is it's peter it is peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there you go there you Look go at that. Ah, i didn't catch that uh-huh so yeah, because he doesn't—he's more of the monstrous kind of vampire. He doesn't talk. He just looks really old and creepy. But uh, yeah, that's that's a great movie. But back to this movie, she invites Nosferatu to come in and passes out, and she sends Harker to go get Van Helsing. So Nosferatu comes for her, and we get again one of the more famous shots of the movie, probably the most famous shot of the movie, which is we see Nosferatu coming up the stairs but we don't actually see him it's all done in shadows the stairs are shadows he is shadows and then we see a shadow enter the room instead of him it's like he's actually become like a like a ghost at this point he's a shadow uh and then even his shadow like grasps at her heart you know so the shadow work here this is what this is why the movie is so famous i think is because of all the really cool uh creative shadow work but as the sun rises, we see Renfield back in his cell. Uh, I get, he got caught, I guess, and came back. He didn't really need to get out. Didn't contribute much, but it was cool to watch everyone go on a riot. And his, <laughs> he's screaming out a, a warning to his master again, how I guess he, he, how he has that psychic connection where he knows where his master is at all times. I don't know. But um, back at Nina's place, Nosferatu has been kept out too late, just like the book said, feeding on Nina. And he's caught by surprise by the rising sun, which turns him into smoke, killing him finally. Harker arrives back with Van Helsing, and the movie tells us basically that everyone lived happily ever after. Uh, everybody that's affected is cured, and people stop stop dying from the vampire. And that's it. That's Nosferatu. The end. It's a little bit longer than I thought it was. I remembered it. You know, at that time, most movies were a lot shorter. But this is a solid hour and a half long. This was only the second time I watched it. I liked it. I appreciated it more this time. And I legitimately enjoyed it. Like I said, if you, you have to kind of adjust to uh, watching a silent movie. It's just different than what you normally expect from a movie. So the two different versions you watched, um, was the music different in each? Do you remember? I wouldn't be able to identify the music. So the tile, the tiles uh, with the written stuff on it, Mia noticed were different. Uh, they were definitely different. Um, not even sure they said the same things. And on the older one we watched, there were several scenes with Nosferatu where you could not see his face. It was just fuzziness. Yeah. Um, those were the two. And then the tinting are the kind of three big, big things. Yeah, the one I watched was kind of, intermediate it wasn't great considering how old and the material they have to work with it wasn't terrible either yeah i wanted to briefly talk about the music because um once again reminding everybody music was not a part of the original movie so if you don't like the soundtrack that's just something somebody added later although we should also mention that movies were 
never truly silent. So if you were watching this back in 1922, there may have been an orchestra there. There may have been somebody playing the piano. There was also sound accompanying it. But mine, I don't know. Sometimes it was good. Like when the sun rises, they, they put in birds. Sometimes it was really distracting. Like the music was weird jazz stuff. I don't know. Did the, the music impact your viewing of it at all? Or did it just kind of fade into the background? There, there were some times when it was do, doing, uh, I thought, I noted that it was doing uh, like a nice job dramatically representing what was going on and kind of adding to the intensity of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, uh, I, I, did, <clears throat> I didn't have other thoughts about it. But Nosferatu, that's it. I mean, it's kind of uh, um, a little bit shorter today. There's not as much to talk about, you know, but uh, anything else, anything else you guys want to want to talk about? I mean, I like that this, I like that we have kind of a contrast to Dracula because Bella Lugosi's Dracula, he's, when you say Dracula, that's what most people think of, but he's sort of like a, a handsome, sophisticated uh, Dracula and vampires have often become that, but Nosferatu is a true monster. He's scary looking. He's not sexy. You know, <laughs> he's not seductive. He's an actual monster. Uh, I think uh, uh, Count Dooku, like a younger version of Count Dooku being the a Dracula, like a, a dashing kind of put together. He was. That's Christopher Lee. Oh, well, there you go. That yeah, was the 1950s horror Dracula. It's <laughs> awesome. You thought correctly, yeah. Yeah, back in the 50s, uh, that's Christopher Lee, and he played Dracula in a lot of the 1950s Hammer movies. So you thought you good idea justin you could have made those movies 70 years ago uh, <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny that you thought that up we'll have to get to those at some point too the hammer horror movies i don't know as much about them but they kind of reinvigorated you know the universal movies had come and gone and then hammer basically started remaking dracula remaking frankenstein in a more modern at that time modern way and brought it all back one of the uh one of the things that I that we talked about earlier that's kind of happened in a couple movies you now as we were tying it to other movies is when Harker is uh, when Nosferatu is coming at him and he's just like hiding under the covers and how that yeah. kind of become a really common horror movie trope. Um, so kind of like that. And then, you know, it was making me think we were, I, th- I think it was the Jack Nicholson movie we were talking about when uh, his wife was doing the same kind of thing. But do you guys think you would run away? Like you see Nosferatu and do you think you run away? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a good question. The, the sort of what would you do? Um, my answer to that is always you never know until you're in that situation. You know, even with more common things that happen in life, like, I don't know. What would you do if somebody said this to you? You, you really don't know, I don't think, until. Pop out answer. Yeah, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, because in some movies, in some movies, people freeze a lot, um, and it's always criticized. But I do think that sometimes in real life, people do freeze with fear. You know, mm-hmm. um, logically, you would just run away right away. <laughs> I think if I saw Nosferatu, too, I would run away. Mm-hmm. Also, if Jack Nicholson was coming at me with his uh, with his axe, I would be running out into the snow. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't have even made it into the castle then, like. Peace, yeah. <laughs> Gone out of here. No, I, I've been in a around creepy situations where I'm like, yeah, no. Time to run, dip out. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Maybe when you're uh, you get to the village in the faraway country, and all the villagers are telling are terrified of going to a certain place, you might not go to the creepy castle. But it was also his job, and he had been traveling for a long time, so they're terrified of the werewolf. That's why, and then they cut to a hyena. Did, did your movie have that? Yeah, yeah, there's that weird, is it a hyena? I, I remember looking hyena. at it. I looked it up, yeah. It was a hyena, yeah. It was kind of a different a species I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, maybe, a, you know. Some elements of Lovecraft too, I think, of the like, uh, they remind me of the Shadow of Innsmouth where he's like showing up at this horrible, terrible place and he's forced to stay the night even though he doesn't want to and like monsters attack him a lot of uh some of those elements as well yeah well all that would have come from the book which when did the book come out 1897 i always feel like dracula 
the novel is older than that, but no, it was 1897. So yeah, I mean, Lovecraft may have been influenced uh, to some extent by by Dracula in that regard. Any last thoughts on Nosferatu? I mean, it's, uh, I think, I don't know. I think everybody, I would encourage people to give the movie a try. You know, it's not going to be for everyone. Uh, I, I, I understand even some of the movies we watched from like the 70s or 80s might be too slow for some people. And this is a, a silent black and white film and it's very old. So some people not might not appreciate it as, as someone who, you know, studied film a little bit and is kind of a film nerd. I appreciate a lot of what happens in it, like the early stop motion, the shadow work. But it's not for everyone. I get it. You really got to commit to it, I think. Uh, but if you commit to it, it is an interesting, like, uh, visual experience and um, uh, probably inferior to the visual experience people will get if they follow along in the next movie because it has the most visually uh, shocking elements, I think, of about any movie I've seen. Um, but uh, this one this one definitely had some beautiful visuals in it. You can really sit down and follow through with it. I think it's definitely worth checking out. I, you got to appreciate it for what it is. It's a silent movie. And horror back then looked different than the horror that now we see, right? So I think it's definitely a good piece of art that one should at least check out. And it might take a second viewing to really appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and I would also encourage you if you're going to uh, if you're going to watch this movie, find a find a good cut of it. I'm not sure if I think Criterion did this one. I can't remember, but find find a good remastered, uh, cleaned up version of it to watch. You know, don't just watch one of those um, one of those cheap public domain versions that you find on a cheap DVD. But yeah, all right, so are you glad you you watched it at least, Mia? I am. Good, good. Anyways, that's enough of Nosferatu. We'll go ahead and introduce our next movie. Uh, our next movie is Justin's pick. Justin, tell them what it is. Uh, Racerhead. I think I joined this podcast in part to be able to have this episode. Yeah, so I'm really excited to rewatch Racerhead and share it with you guys. I watched it in college. Um, on recommendation from our mutual mutual friend and um it inspired a love for david lynch which inspired me checking out twin peaks which inspired my love for twin peaks which inspired me and i's love for where we live now um and so i really traced some of it to this creepy fucking movie um so i'm really excited to share it with everyone thanks robert <laughs> thanks robert. That, that was that was robert who suggested good job robert he watched yeah. it in, in his high school they watched it can you believe That's that? Awesome. Can you imagine getting to watch that in Paulding County High School? <laughs> but uh, Eraserhead, yeah, 1977, David Lynch. Uh, won't get into it too much now. I'll just say this is one of the few movies that I've ever, like, paused and took a break from. <laughs> Granted, I was pretty young when I saw it, but it gets so intense that I literally just paused the movie, took a break, came back to it like an hour later. So, yeah, everybody go watch Eraserhead. Man, it's... um. It's really something and come back ready to talk to us about it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's see here. Happy New Year again. I think we said that in our last podcast. Our last podcast was the it New Year. It all runs right? together, doesn't it? Yeah. It all runs together. Yeah, yeah, we did. But anyways. Happy New Year. And here's to lots of uh, podcasts for this year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. See you.